It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Auburn Tigers went on the road, their second SEC win of the season. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerbeam. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us to recap Auburn's win over Vandy. Daryl Daprich, of course, as we do this every Sunday morning. Daryl, you're in Nashville. You're in your hotel room. You're just getting back from the game. Auburn took it to Vandy, and it kind of looked like late Vandy may score again to make it look like it was closer than it actually was. And then Nehemiah Pritchett said, no, no, no. We haven't gotten the, uh, we haven't gotten the pick yet this game. I'm going to get us one. But a really solid effort all around. We went into this feeling good about Auburn's chances of winning against Vanderbilt, Daryl, because Auburn was a better team, better roster, better coaches, and that's exactly what it looked like on the field on Saturday. Yeah, there's some things that really were encouraging that from a standpoint of everybody wants to throw out the old saying, you know, calm down, it's just Vandy. It's not about Vanderbilt. It's about Auburn in this scenario. And first things first, you win a game on the road that you have to have. And I know that yeah. sounds – I don't want that to sound overdramatic, but Auburn is one New Mexico State victory away at home from being bowl eligible, which for this program is big for this year and taking its steps. You Freeze even alluded to that in this post-game press conference. Second of all, I don't care – that it's Vandy, go back and look at the scores that Auburn has played Vanderbilt in Nashville, even championship caliber seasons or 10-win seasons, and there, it's, it's always games in the teams well, the and series the struggle. It was tied 21-21, yeah. and one. Now, now Auburn's up 22-21-1. But, yeah, I mean, the series was tied up to this point. And in Nashville, it's just always different. It seems to be a struggle and a, kind of an ugly football game. And make no mistake about it, Auburn dominated that game statistically. They jumped out to a 14-0 lead and was a questionable call and a couple of drops and missed fumble opportunities from yeah. beating Vanderbilt four scores. I mean, it's just that simple. They could have hung 42 on them if anything would have been broke the way that, that it could have broke. So Auburn played really well. To put 31 on the board you know, in Nashville um, – is great, and I don't care that it's Vanderbilt. It's a, Again, it's about Auburn. Now, there's a ton of things to clean up. We'll talk about that later. Even Hugh Freeze alluded to that in his postgame presser. Sure. But I like the balance. I like the balance. You, my friend, your new nickname is Notre Damas, who is a dude that can predict the future because you knocked it out of the park Friday with your Jarquez Hunter. In fact, I, you know, get you a one hotline or something for the Psychic Network because you nailed it. And – that's yeah. exactly what happened. Now, I, I felt like that could happen. I agreed with you. What I didn't see is the balance. You know, the 194 yards passing on top of that, really efficient game by Peyton Thorne throwing the ball. We talked about if Auburn could throw it 17 or 18 times to play off the run game that we felt like Hunter was going to give Auburn, and that's kind of how it played out, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and it's kind of amazing. Jarquez had an outstanding game, his career high. We talked about how he would have a career game. We were correct on that. But Jarquez Hunter, 183 yards on the ground, his two touchdowns. But that doesn't include 
the incredible effort that he made on a, a where he took the direct snap and took like the whole Vanderbilt defense on his back, you know, three or four yards to get in the end zone. It was called back, unfortunately. And then at the end of the game, there was a, there was a call that, I mean, he, he busted another one, right? So Jarquez Hunter is back. There's no question about it. In fact, he may be playing his best football of his career over his last three games. He's averaging over 100 yards a game. And he's carrying Auburn's offense right now. And everybody's benefiting from it. I think the other backs, when they're given an opportunity, are, heck, when Jeremiah Cobb's in the game, he's scoring touchdowns, right? I mean, that's exactly what he's doing so far. Peyton Thorne is uh, is getting more time to throw the football, and I think there's more factors going into that. Like, I think the O-line's playing, I think they're playing better. I think Auburn's playing against teams that aren't rushing the passer as well. But still, like, a good running game slows down pass rushes because you've got to play the opposing offense differently. There's no there, there's no coincidence that Auburn's offense is looking better because Jarquez Hunter is running the football better, right? Like, it's, it's obvious. Duh, I get it. But Jarquez Hunter, uh, right now, when you look at the last two games where Auburn has won, Jarquez Hunter is the MVP of this team. Yeah, here's a couple nuggets for you. Number one, had he not gotten that touchdown called back, he would have been the first back since the Auburn running back since Carrion Johnson in Carrion. 2017 to have a 200-yard game. I feel like the way he's playing right now, he's a top three back in the S one of the top three backs in the SEC. Sure. Hugh Freeze, again, alluded to it in the press conference when someone asked him, what's the difference between Jarquez now and Jarquez earlier in the season? And he said he's being so much more patient and deliberate, waiting for things to develop. When he first came back, Coach Freeze said he just went 90 to nothing and hit the hole real quick and just didn't wait. He just, you know, just was a maniac and just yeah. went speed, didn't let his blocks develop on that inside zone, which he's doing now. So, you know, look, we felt like coming into this season that if he could be one of the top three or four backs in the SEC, Auburn's offense could be efficient. And I think that gives time for Peyton Thorne to develop, who has now stacked two pretty good games back-to-back from a quarterback play perspective. I think something that feels different about this team, and I think some of it's the team, I think some of it's the schedule, but I do think a lot of it is the coaching staff. But Auburn's trending up. I mean, we're into November now, and Auburn is trending up. And it's been a few seasons where we've been able to say that Auburn is getting better in November. Offensively, defensively, I think health has a big part to do with that. I think overall flow of the offense has a big part to do with that. But am I wrong in saying that Auburn is getting better at this point of the season, and we haven't been able to say that in a few seasons? You're right, and I think the schedule really lent itself for that to happen. We, we kind of right. foresaw that that could. Take your lump in the middle of the season, learn from it, get better. But let's just be honest. Auburn has matched its win total from last year already, and there's three games left. You can cut that and dice it up any way you want to. Auburn has matched its win total from last year, and there's three football games left. Yeah. So, you know, that that's, that's improvement. That's trending upward, like you said. And then it's also proof of concept of what's happening on the field. You can win games and it not necessarily look better and be playing better. And I think there's some components of this team other than maybe wide receiver and still doing things 
stupid penalties, holds. I mean, you don't chop block. Like you said, Hunter makes that beautiful run in the end zone. And Michael Riley Ducker gets called for the chop block, which you still get points out of it. And again, on defense, getting off the field, second and third and long, get that cleaned up. But again, you do that when you win. It's a lot better to try to work on things after you win. Yeah. And I mean, quarterback play, right? These things didn't turn into, you know, completions, but some of the throws he made Saturday Mm -hmm. were great. We're great. Yeah. And and some were okay, you put a you put guys in situations to potentially succeed. The deep throw to to Cam Brown, which Cam jumped way too early on that. He was coming down before the ball got there, which is very mm-hmm. odd, but not shocking considering you know how Auburn's receiving core is played this year. But that's one it's like, eh, it's not the easiest catch in the world, but you're massive. Like that's, that's what we want you to do. And that's what you've apparently been able to do at times during practice uh, while he's been at Auburn's like, you know, you got to come down with that. You got to help your quarterback and your offense out. And then the next, I think it was the, the next play. If not, it was the next pass to, to Amari Kelly. That should have been a touchdown. And it's just, he, Amari did the hard part. He got open. He got separation downfield. Peyton Thorne hit him in stride. And it's just like, okay, all right. And, you know, Peyton wasn't perfect. He wasn't perfect. The pick six was really, really bad. It was really mm. bad, Daryl. But for the most part, I liked how he moved in the pocket when there were times when guys would have free rushing opportunities right down the middle, and he found a way to use his legs to extend the play and keep looking downfield. And there was also just a bunch of drops. And so, like, Peyton Thorne, when you look at his day outside of the pick six, which was very bad, it was very, very bad, I was pretty pleased with it. Well, let's do a little drill. Pull up his stats because I don't have them. I think he was 11 of 17 for 194. Am I correct on that? Uh, 17 of 27 for 194. I'm sorry, 17. Okay, so there were four easy. I'm not even counting the Cam Brown one because he just mistimed his jump. Fairweather dropped two gimmies. Javaris Johnson dropped a gimme. And Kelly dropped a gimme. That's four more completions, which would have made him 21 of 27. And you could probably add 60 yards to his total. So 20, you know, 21 of 27 for about 250. <laughs> I mean, and 40 and yards just, rushing. Yeah, and he had 40 yards rushing. So I mean, he's not getting now. VAR made a really nice play on the backside after that, where he mm-hmm. um went up and snatched it. And then, of course, Fairweather caught a touchdown pass. And so, there, you know, some of those guys kind of atoned for their errors, but they're easy drops. And, again, post-game press conference, Coach Free said there's just no excuse for being that wide open and having those drops. So add that to his total, and it's even more of a, a, a pretty effective day. Yeah, and, and I think with Thorne, it's more about, okay, what, you know, can he, can he do what he was brought in here to do? And that's raise the floor of the offense. And I think the way he's played the last two games, he's done that. He's done that. And now Auburn's done it away from Jordan-Hare Stadium. Maybe we can quit talking about that. I well, hope. technically, technically, no, they haven't. Because if you were there today, I'm, t- I'm, I'm not trying to, that was not a visit regular visitor environment. It wasn't a road. I mean, I'm. I can understand if the stadium's dead. 
saying it's not. But that was a very pro-Auburn, Auburn majority. It felt and sounded like a home game. When we yeah. were leaving the stadium to walk to the post-game press conference, there was a roar, a palatable roar that came from the stadium because we were walking to a construction site for the post-game presser. And I thought Vanderbilt had scored. And that was the Pritchett interception. <laughs> I mean, that's how loud it, it was. And, I, and, and I, I looked at another Auburn writer and he said, listen, the band's playing. Auburn just had a turnover. So I'm not trying – I mean, I, I see what you're saying, different yeah. field, different stadium. But, man, that was a home crowd. It really was. And I, I'm not exaggerating. You'd had to have been there to understand it. Just amazing. It was yeah, just unbelievable. Yeah, and, and I, I do wonder if the struggles came from, okay, he's not like physically injured in Hare Stadium or if he was rattled by the fan base. Good point. We'll find I don't know. out. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess we'll find out in the last road game of the year for Auburn next week in Fayetteville. All right, uh, well, let's talk about this Auburn defense, specifically uh, some areas that I think they looked really, really good at. We'll discuss that in just a moment right here. Unlocked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what's bring home the winning trophy. It's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. With over 122 million parts, your number one ride or die, you'll always feel, uh, I'm sorry, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you get your money back. You just add the, your vehicle type to your My Garage page on your eBay Motors account and a green check mark shows up to all the parts that will fit your car guaranteed. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Go America. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Carl Daprich, our guest, uh, as we break down and recap everything that happened in Nashville, Auburn picking up the second SEC win of the Hugh Freeze era. Auburn's defense, you know, you, you talked about how we, you know, we discussed Jarquez Hunter having a monster day. I did a big show last week on, I don't know how Vandy's going to score consistently. And they had one scoring drive. They right. had one scoring drive, right? It looks like they had two but obviously one of those was a pick six and then went down and scored and they made a two point conversion in the second half. But this is an Auburn defense that suffocated Vanderbilt. And I mean, they had some receivers make some solid plays, but the bend don't break aspect of it um, was huge. The missed field goal in the, in the first drive, I think was huge for Auburn's defense, but you're seeing so many different guys step up. I mean, Eugene Asante has kind of been the tried and true warrior of this defense. But the way you saw Auburn push the pocket, Zacchaeus Walker, sneaky good game. Marcus Harris continuing to do what he's done for most of the season. I mean, we saw Jason Jones and Lawrence Johnson penetrating the interior consistently throughout the game. 
on Saturday. And then the defensive backfield, DJ James was incredible. Nehemiah Pritchett, really, really solid, including that pick. Jalen Simpson had a few really big plays. It's just nice to see this big list of names, Daryl, everybody pitching in. And to me, if you're an opposing offense, that's tough to deal with because there's eight or nine dudes that made really big plays on Saturday. There were three plays that I think epitomized the way Auburn's defense played today, and I made sure that I made a note when they all three happened so that I could talk about it. Number one, Cam Riley had a huge sack. Good point. When Vanderbilt was trying to cut it to a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Jalen McLeod got tap, got absolutely pancaked to the ground and crawled, crawled on the ground to the quarterback and had a sack. That was one of uh, incredible – play and then if you get a chance go back and watch the tackle dj james made on a backside screen that i'm telling you the dude would still in fact he'd be running by my hotel window right now had he not made that play and he had to shed a block it wasn't an open field he was getting blocked when he was able to kind of fight off the block and make a tackle it was one of the greatest individual plays by a corner on a tackle that I've seen in a long time. He ended up with seven tackles, which you free said was very uncharacteristic because he usually doesn't get a lot of tackles. But those three plays to me epitomized what Auburn's bend don't break defense was, you know, you can talk about the interception. You can talk about, like you said, Lawrence Johnson had a blew up a play in the backfield. That was big to make yeah. it the third, third, two, it's like 30 15 or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there was, and like you said, Walker's, Akevius Walker, there were some really good defensive plays, but those three just seemed to, those three plays were game changers and they were, they, they epitomized kind of like the will that Auburn's defense played with today. Yeah. That DJ James tackle was incredible. It looked like a tight end was coming at him and he dipped his shoulder and yes. the tight end was too high and just got up under him and, and the at the same time made the tackle. Dipped his shoulder, dipped his shoulder to avoid the block, but yeah. while his shoulder was dipped, made the tackle. I mean, yeah. that you know, it was just it was fluid. I mean, I I thought, okay, great job that he got I away from the block. Huh? What now? I cried watching it. Those yeah, I mean, I thought when he when he avoided the block, oh, great job on him to avoid the block. Never did I think he was going to avoid the block and make the tackle. So that was a great play. That was a yeah. really good play. It was one of the better ones I've seen by a corner. In a long time. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the knocks against them. When I talked to some NFL scouting folks, they're like, can he tackle? Can he tackle? And it's like, well, show them that. There was four or five in the press box that uh, were Tennessee Titans, Atlanta Falcons, and Jacksonville Jaguars had scouts there in the press box, and they were taking copious notes watching that young man play. So yeah. he did himself yeah. a lot of – he did himself uh, justice today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh uh, to me, the biggest thing that you got to work on if you're Auburn is catching the dang football. And I don't <laughs> know how they can really change that up to this point. Like, I think this receiving core is who they are at this point. I mean, even your tried and true guys like um, the VAR. Yeah. Javaris Johnson dropped, uh, I think, two. I don't know if they'll chart Fair. him as drops or not. But Fair he, dropped one. Jay Fair dropped one. And then Rivaldo Fairweather dropped definitely one. I know you said two earlier. Um, I trust you. Two I, I on the same only, drive. Two okay. on the same I can only think of drive. one currently yeah. in my brain, but I, I believe you. And like that's just not 
it. <laughs> That's not what Auburn needs to do. Unfortunately, we've seen all those guys make plays. We know they're capable of doing it. But it's just that consistency. I mean, if that happens on third down, like the, I mean, that, that stinks. You mm. could possibly lose the game, when, especially when you talk about an Arkansas team that's probably feeling themselves now after winning in overtime, and you've got to go there. We'll see if they have hope or not and how they play next week in Fayetteville. But that I don't know how you can fix that at this point in the season. And to me, I think that's somewhat concerning, especially since Auburn's starting to pass the ball more, but they're being more efficient with it because Peyton Thorne's being more on target. I, I don't know. I don't know. And like, I, we all know that that's a concern. And obviously the coaches know it's, it's been a concern since they've been here. But until you like, until they fix it, I just, I, I don't think they're going to be able to do that at this point of the season. Yeah. You know, I think we knew coming in to the season and then early on, you weren't going to get the type of catches that other teams seems to make 50, 50 balls, balls in traffic, that kind of thing. Even Vanderbilt has a receiver, Shepard, who made a tremendous play and was covered like a blanket. But you would hope that they would catch the balls that are thrown right to them and that they're wide open. And, and I think the only answer is maybe play a Burton more, who seems to have pretty good hands and doesn't have the dropsies. And I don't, I think with Fairweather, that was just a, a mirage. I don't think that's the guy kind of guy he is. I think he'll, right. he'll sure. catch most. Yeah. But the receivers, I mean, you know, you, like a guy like Coy Moore has just kind of disappeared. Shorter, don't see him on the field, you know. So I don't know. I think you've got to just have to give the guys reps that seem to drop the ball the least. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. that's where we're at at this point. Even um, Prom dropped the ball going over the middle. That would have been a big catch, almost a first down early in the first quarter. So yeah, there was a. T I mean, at some point tonight, I'll have a chance to go back and look. I'd love to see. How many drops Auburn had statistically? There yeah, I'm looking at Auburn's stats right now. And they've got Javaris Johnson with two drops, Rivaldo Fairweather with one, and Amari Kelly with one, and Damari Austin with one. But everybody charts drops differently. It's like PFF. When PFF stuff comes out like early Sunday morning, yeah, it's it's always different. Like it's never the same. So I'm curious to see what they say. But all, Auburn's Auburn's saying there were five drops. There ain't no. If they had five drops, then you're looking at me on the screen right now, and my hair looks like John Bon Jovi. There ain't no way. That's absolute. I, I my own eyeballs watched Fairweather drop two in a row on that on that on a drive. So I don't know what they're doing or how they're measuring that. But I think there needs to be more accurate accounting of that because there had to be at least seven or eight drops easy mm -hmm. that I saw. I mean, it felt like it. It felt mm -hmm. like that for sure. Passing. Like, and you know, uh, I want to say this too, because there were some questions on social media and I don't know if you were kind of wondering, but I asked my question of, of coach freeze was, did he get an explanation on the catch kick interference? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Ridiculous. And he said to me, the referee told him, now there's a halo rule like there is in the NFL where you can't be within a yard. You can't touch him, obviously, and you can't be within a yard when he's trying to make the catch. But he stepped. He, he, like, opened yeah, up with the ball. He turned sideways. Exactly. And so Coach Freeze asked me, he says, did you see it? What did, what did you think? I'd like to ask you guys. And I said, I, I don't think it was. It looked like he was about two yards away from him. Um, again, not reviewable which is kind of tough. It would, it would be easy to review if he hit him, 
but it'd be very tough to review if he's within a yard, you know, uh, area. But he said he really didn't get a good explanation other than, yeah, he was within a yard. That that play right there, Auburn's up 14-0 and gets the ball at the 22-yard line, and it's, it's over. It's done. It's done. It's done. So, yeah. you know, I don't I – don't, that's not Auburn's fault as far as making a penalty that – doing a penalty that was, you know, not – very smart because I don't think there was a penalty there, but I wanted to get clarification to see what the officials told him because if the rule was did he did he that he hit him, there ain't no way. I mean, no, there you know, there wasn't was, contact for sure. Um, and they the the TV broadcast did not show him any replays, which was very frustrating. But they did show that one, and there didn't yeah. appear to be any any contact. In fact, the TV broadcast said that they didn't see it either. So, uh, one thing that was Auburn's fault, I think. And this seems to be a thing that's happened a few times now. On the second muff punt by Vandy, the ball was on the ground for like two or three seconds, and it's like nobody sees it. It's like right behind them. Um, that was crazy. That was a crazy one where it's just like, how did nobody see that? And then three Auburn got to it first. Yeah. yeah, it seems like Auburn gets to it often, but they just don't land on it and like it shoots out somewhere else. So the same thing happened with the quarterback. Seals fumbled. Yeah, Auburn right. hit him for the, and the Auburn fell on it and it squirted out. We're not out good again. at that. We're not no, good more. at landing on a ball. <laughs> we need to practice that. It, it maybe it practice a little bit, a little fire drill where you jump on the ball and yeah, practice recovering fumbles. Yes, yeah, something like that. Daryl, enjoy uh, the rest of your trip in Nashville. Safe, have a safe trip coming home. And uh, in the meantime, how can people check out everything that you've got coming up this week? You can follow me at DAP6410 uh, Monday mornings on the Auburn Network, 710 with Ben Taylor. And then I'm on with Jacob Goins at uh, 430 on Tuesdays. And then, of course, Tuesday night, we will. We promise we will this time. Yes. Baylor and Auburn in basketball will do a little uh, post game to the Auburn's official first basketball game of the season. So a busy, busy week. Yes. Yeah, just a reminder, every men's basketball game this year, um, we will go live as soon as it's over. And this first one's a late one. Auburn plays Baylor Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. That's on ESPN. As soon as that's over, maybe as you get ready for bed and you're decompressing, because I can't just watch a game and go to bed. I, I'm sure most people that follow a daily Auburn sports podcast are the same way. Decompress with us. It'll be great. It'll be great. But yeah, we'll be up late Tuesday night with all of you guys. So uh, you can find all my written work at auburndaily.com, and we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.